So if you would, take your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 1 as we continue in a series that I entitled, Where Do We Go From Here? Where is God calling our church to go? What does God have set before us that He desires for us to accomplish? Every Christian, every church, even every family needs to ask that question of themselves. God, where do we go from here? What does the future look like? What are those next steps that I need to take? Well, an important answer to that question comes from an answer of the question that is the title of the message today, and that is simply, what are you willing to do? What are you willing to do to accomplish for God what are you willing for God to accomplish in you for you to take those next steps? Because the more willing you are to follow God, the further God is going to take you in your life. The further that you're willing to be obedient and we're willing to be obedient as a church, the more God is going to do in us and through us. And so we have to answer that question first. It's sort of like a man who is from New York City. He was traveling through Texas and got into a bad wreck. He ran into a truck that was carrying a trailer that had a horse on it. Of course, the horse flew out of the trailer. He flew out of the car. And he tried to get some insurance money many months later for this accident. Well, the insurance agent's looking at the report and he said, Sir, how is it that you said that you were perfectly fine the day of the accident. You got up, you walked away, and you said you had no injuries, but now all these months later you're claiming that you had these injuries from the accident. He said, look, you don't understand. He said, when I ran into this horse trailer and I flew out of the car and I'm laying there on the road, he said, I heard somebody say that the horse had a broken leg. The next thing I know, a Texas Ranger pulls out a gun, shoots the horse, and then turns to me and said, are you okay? <laughs> Rick, don't make me hold up cards if you don't understand. If these are too fast for you, just raise your hand. Okay. I'll slow down a little bit. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> you used to be blonde, right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. What we're willing to do sometimes as a Christian involves a struggle. It involves some personal pain. It involves some personal difficulty. And what we're willing to go through, sometimes we get up from these scrapes and these bruises and we say, I'm all right. And we act as though everything is just fine. When in reality, sometimes our struggle is part of the journey. Sometimes those rough moments, sometimes those accidents that we get into, sometimes those moments when our life seems turned upside down, that's part of the plan. We don't like them. We don't like to talk about them. We don't celebrate when we get into some difficult moment or have some sickness or lose some loved one or, or our job gets turned upside down. We don't jump up and down and thank God for those rough moments, but in reverse we can see that God used all of those difficult moments to develop within us something that would not be there otherwise and I know that I'm speaking to a room full of people that know that personal pain and difficulty is part of the journey the difficulty that we face as a church is part of the journey where we are today is a direct result of where we've been 
But what are we willing to do in the future? How are we willing to suffer and how are we willing to struggle in the days ahead as a Christian, as a church, and as a Christian family? How are you willing to struggle and suffer for the cause of Christ? Church, listen to me. Your willingness to suffer and struggle is going to determine how far we go as a church. How much you pray before you teach a Sunday school class. How much you study before you stand before people. How much you personally prepare in prayer before you come into the sanctuary to worship. All of those decisions is going to determine how far we go as a church. How willing you are to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. How much you're willing to risk your own life for the sake of Jesus Christ is a direct determining factor on what God will do in the life of Columbia Baptist Church. Colossians chapter 1 teaches us how we can answer that question, what am I willing to do? If you have found Colossians chapter 1, if you're able to, would you stand as we read verses 24 through chapter 2, verse 5. The Bible says, as Paul wrote to the church, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions, for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known and the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of his glory, of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know, how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea, for all those who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Let's pray together. Fathers, we hear from your word and hear from your spirit as you speak to our hearts and minds today. God, may you capture our attention. May you encourage our faith. And God, may you set our steps and order them ahead of us today. That no matter what the journey ahead may take, and no matter what those steps and where they may lead, God, may you be glorified in our obedience to be a faithful follower of Jesus. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In order to answer the question, what are you willing to do? We're going to use the Apostle Paul as he uses the Lord Jesus as an example today.
to answer that question, there's two steps that you need to take in order to answer the question, what am I willing to do? Here's the first one. The Bible tells us we have to be willing to suffer. That is a topic in an American church that we don't like to talk about. We don't like to talk about suffering because we want things to be easy. We want things to be simple. We want things to be clean. We want things to be pain-free. But that's just not the way it is if we're going to advance in our walk with Christ. And if we're going to advance God's kingdom, there's going to bring some suffering. Notice how Paul describes that as he uses his own example. He says in verse 24 that he rejoices in his suffering for your sake. And in his flesh, he says, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction. Many times in the book of Acts, many times, in fact, in almost every letter that Paul wrote, he wrote about whether he was in chains, whether he was being beaten or being in prison. He wrote many times about some of the personal suffering that he had to endure to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. In fact, in this very letter in Colossians chapter 4, verse 10, and then again in verse 18, he says, My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends his greeting. He says, I write this greeting in my own hands. Remember my chains. Here is Paul writing an encouraging letter to a church while he's in prison. He's not asking for their sympathy. He's not asking for money. He's not asking for them to get him out of jail. He is saying the very thing that caused me to end up in jail by talking about Jesus and, and advancing the gospel, that's what you need to continue to do. The thing that got me in trouble is what you must continue to do. The very reason that I am in chains and in prison today is because I'm willing to suffer for you. But he says that he is filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Now, does that mean that Paul is in a competition with Jesus to see who can suffer more? No, what he's simply saying is Jesus suffered to bring about salvation. I then, Paul says, am going to suffer to advance his kingdom and keep sharing the gospel so that what Jesus died for didn't die on the cross. It didn't die with a certain generation. Do you ever fear that the movement of God and the moving of the Holy Spirit and the sharing of the gospel is going to die with a certain generation? I tell you, all the time I talk to people, the older I get, the more that I see there is a fear in an older generation as they look backwards to their children, to their grandchildren, that the carrying of the gospel is in danger. We look at church attendance declining. We look at fewer and fewer young families prioritizing church worship and church attendance and involvement. All the time we begin to see fewer and fewer baptisms across every denomination. And my statement to you is simple. It is simply because we're not willing to suffer for the cause of Christ. We would rather have people happy than to have people holy. We would rather have people like us than we would have them to love Jesus. And friend, I'm not saying that it's an either or. When people are holy, they are happy. When we tell them about Jesus, they will like us and they will love the church. But we must be willing to say, God, whatever it takes, 
to share the good news of Jesus, I must be willing to do that. Listen to what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3. He said in verse 10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Friend, listen to me. You are never more like Jesus than when you suffer in the same way that he did. Oh, we want to know Jesus in a comfortable sanctuary. We want to know Jesus as we kneel at our bed in our air-conditioned home when it works. We want to feel at home in a safe environment. But are we willing to truly suffer? Are we willing to risk a friendship to tell them the gospel? Are we willing to risk a job to take a stand for Christ and do the right thing? Are we willing to risk even the love from our family by saying that we love Jesus Christ and put Him first in our life? You see, there are going to be times that you will suffer for the cause of Christ. The question is, how much are you willing to suffer? How much personal loss are you willing? See, a lot of times people don't like to give and, and, and tithe back to a church because it's going to cost them something. But well, friend, here's what you have to realize, first of all, about giving, is the cost of not having the blessing of God when you give to advance His kingdom is a, is a greater loss than whatever financially you give back to the Lord. I mean, you might look at your checkbook and say, oh, I can't, I can't afford to give away this money. Friend, you can't afford to live without the hand of God on your money. You look at the comfort of your own life and your job and you say, listen, I put those degrees on the wall. I earned that income. I am the one who has accomplished these things. And we push God out because we're not willing to put Him first. Only because we're not willing to have the hand of God on our job when God might say, it's not about the prestige. It's not about all these things. It's about honoring me. And Paul says, I want to know Jesus more, and I want to suffer for him. Look back in Colossians chapter 1. Why is he willing to do this? He says in verse 24, for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. Every beating that Jesus took was for your benefit. Every ounce of suffering that Jesus endured, it was for us. Why then in 2018 at Columbia Baptist Church could we say, God, don't make me suffer. I want a comfortable life. We are never more like Jesus than when we say, God, make me like Jesus. I'm willing to suffer if it means that the church is healthier. I'm willing to personally do without if it means that somebody might walk closer to Christ. God, I'm willing to put aside my selfishness if it means that more people will come to Christ. Are you willing to suffer for the cause of Jesus Christ? Are you willing to set aside your personal preferences, your personal comfort, your personal wants to satisfy 
and to advance the kingdom of God and to satisfy God's glory and giving him all that he deserves. It has been revealed now, he says in verse 26. This mystery that was hidden for ages now has been made known. But he says in verse 27, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Friend, I'm going to ask you a cutting question. If that mystery of the gospel of Jesus, if that mystery of the hope of Christ has been revealed in us, why would we ever keep it a secret? If Paul says, listen, we have been waiting in the first century for generations for the Messiah to come. Now that he's come, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to tell anybody and everybody that Jesus saves. Why would we keep that a secret? Why would we risk or not be willing to risk our own personal comfort to say that for 2,000 years Jesus saves but it's more about me than it is about him. See, the Bible tells us we've been bought at a price. We're not our own. We don't belong to ourselves. All that we are, all that we have, belongs to Christ. Are you willing to suffer, to advance God's kingdom, to go beyond what you want to bring the gospel to those that need Jesus, sometimes that suffering hurts. Sometimes that suffering is painful. Sometimes that loss hurts. In fact, there was a, an author that wrote about an old violin maker. And any wood that he would make for a violin, he said, always came from the north side of the tree. And he asked, the author asked him, why do you choose that particular wood? He said, well, the north side of the tree faces the most storms and he said that that's where the strength of that wood comes from every storm that comes through every ounce of wind that lashes against that wood it just becomes stronger and stronger and he looked at the author and he said the more difficulty that wood goes through it's just learning how to be a violin the more pain that you go through and you experience as a Christian just simply means you're learning what it means to follow Christ. Following Christ is not easy. Following Christ is sometimes painful, sometimes difficult. Putting one foot in front of the other and staying faithfully behind Him might lead to places that you are personally uncomfortable going. But if it means that the mystery that had been hidden for generations, that has been made known in you, can now be made known in someone else, then Paul is simply saying, God, bring on the whip. Tear my flesh from my back. Hang me from a cross if it means that people will be saved because I'm willing to lay down my life for you the way that you were willing to lay it down for me. What are you willing to do? Are you willing to suffer? Well, in order to be willing to suffer, we need to take the second step that Paul says not only should be willing to suffer, but we should also be willing to struggle. You see, suffering is painful. 
But to be willing to suffer, we've got to be willing to struggle. Notice what he goes on to say in verse 28. He says very simply, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Friend, that's the goal. The goal as a church is not to make people happy, happy and, and, and tell them whatever they want to hear. The goal of a church is to find them to become holy by telling them what they need to hear. Telling them the truth, telling them the gospel, sitting people down and saying to them, friend, as much as it may break your heart to know this, you are a sinner from your very core, rebelling against the truth of God. And in order to be born again, in order to have eternal life, so that when your life on this earth is over, you can step out of this life and step into heaven, not because you're a good person, not because you have baked cakes for people when they're sick or, or just done nice things and written cards and letters. No, because you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. You turned away from your sin and trusting yourself and you trusted in Jesus alone. And Paul says that's why we preach Jesus. Because He's the only one who can save. You say, Pastor, why is that such a struggle? Because we want people to be happy. We want to see people flood into our sanctuary. We want to fill up our, our, the room in our, in our place of worship. We want everybody in our community to come to some place of worship. And whatever it takes to get them in the door, that's what we want to do. Paul says, Him we proclaim. Because it's not about getting them in the door of a church. It's about getting them into the family of God. And they enter into the family of God by recognizing their sin and trusting in their Savior. And when they do that, when they hear that truth, then they will be part of the family of God. Then they will value worship. But you've got to be willing to struggle with your time. You've got to be willing to struggle with your friendships. You've got to find a way to conversationally talk to people about your faith in Jesus Christ. Why should we do that? Because Paul says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Why? That we may present everyone mature in Christ. Some of the versions of the Bible use the word perfect, meaning complete. We don't want anyone lacking anything in their walk with Jesus Christ. And friend, I'm telling you, that's why I struggle as your pastor and wrestle with the Word of God so that when I stand up here and I, and I just sweat and pour out my heart to you, I'm struggling because I want all of you to be complete in Christ. I want our church to be healthy. I want our church to be a, a growing, vibrant body of Christ. And I want to see your family as a lighthouse right where God has planted you, making sure that every person knows that you and your house knows Jesus. And you've got to be willing to make the same commitment. You've got to be willing to struggle with your calendar. You've got to be willing to prioritize things in your checkbook. You've got to be willing to prioritize your time and your energy. Do you put it all toward hobbies and entertainment 
the things that come on television, are they more important than your commitment to Christ? The things that happen in the community that are fun or things that you enjoy doing or hobbies that you enjoy having, do those take priority in your checkbook and in your calendar and in your energy? Paul says to the church in verse 29, For this I toil struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. Thanks be to God that the Apostle Paul was the one who struggled for the advancement of the Gospel. We would not have most of the New Testament if it wasn't for Paul struggling to bring the Gospel to people. This church would not exist if many, many years ago a group of people struggled to say, we want to put a Baptist church in Columbia. You would not exist if it were not for, in the family of God, you would not be here if it weren't for people that taught you in vacation Bible school, that taught you in your Sunday school class, if you had parents that brought you to church, or if you had an aunt or an uncle that loved you enough to, to carry you and bring you into the family of God. What are you willing to do? How much are you willing to toil? How much are you willing to struggle? How much are you willing to say, God, it is not about me. It's not about what I want. It's about what other people need. And I can tell you, you'll never be more satisfied in your walk with Jesus Christ than when you give everything you have to see people saved. When you give every ounce of your time and your attention to see the church built up. I, I hate the 80-20 thing. Many of you have heard it where they say that 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. It should be that all of us say, God, you have a place for me. What do you want me to do? You have given me gifts and talents and abilities. And sure, they may not be in the spotlight like some people are. My name may not be mentioned. I may not be up on the screen. I may not be up on the stage. I may not be asked to teach a Sunday school class. But God, what can I do to make sure that the body of Christ is healthier today than it was yesterday? Paul says, I'm using every ounce of energy that God has put into me for that very reason. He says in verse 1 of chapter 2, he said, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. Is this Paul bragging? Is this him standing up in front of the church and saying, Listen, I want you to know how much I'm struggling. I want you to put a plaque up. I want you to take a special offering. I, I want everybody to just do the wave in church or whatever it might be. I want people to know how I'm struggling. Is he begging for attention? No. He's setting an example. He's saying, I want you to see the personal cost that it's taking from me when I suffer for the cause of Christ because that's what God is calling you to do. He said, I want you to see how much I struggle for the sake of the church, because I want you to do the same. Think for just a moment, some of the best times in your life, some of the best times in your walk with Jesus Christ, were they easy or were they difficult? 
some of the times that we are the closest to the Lord is when we are brought to our knees in great difficulty and we know that Jesus is there. Some of the sweetest times in the life of a church is when we give and it takes and, and we suffer and we struggle and we plan and we prepare and we do all sorts of things and we see people come into the family of God. We see baptisms. We see people get saved. And all of a sudden we say it was worth it. There are times that people come up to me at the end of a service or maybe at the end of a week or maybe even several weeks later and they'll say you know pastor that message that you delivered last sunday really spoke to me i was struggling with this i was dealing with that i was questioning this and really seeking some answers and god used you to make a difference in my life to say exactly what i needed to hear there's never been more of a rewarding feeling in your life than when you are used the most by God. Some of you will be greeted in heaven by children that you taught in vacation Bible school. Some of you are going to be greeted on the street by people that you have prayed for. They're going to have a victory report. Some of you are going to see people in a funeral home that you have ministered to and families that you've just poured your life out to that are going to say, I know that God is with me because you have been faithful to pray for me. My question to you is simple. Are you willing to struggle? Are you willing to use your energy, your resources to make a difference in other people? Here's why Paul does it. He says in verse 2 that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love, to reach all of the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. In short, Paul says, I do everything that I do so that you might know Jesus better. I do everything that I do for the benefit of the church so that you might love one another that much more. Is that true of your life? Do you live for you? Or do you live for Jesus? Do you look at this church and say, church, what can you do for me? Or do you look at this church and say, church, what can I do to serve you? We all have a struggle. We all have to struggle. Sort of like a guy who was walking through the woods and came through a cemetery as a shortcut on his way home and it was starting to get dark and he fell into a freshly dug grave he scratched his way and clawed and tried to climb but he just could, couldn't get out of it so he just kind of gave up and sat down in the corner of that freshly dug grave and decided he'd wait for the morning a couple of hours later it got even darker pitch black outside and another guy was walking through the cemetery fell into the same grave that he was in this guy tried to scratch and claw and climb his way out and just as he was about to give up he heard a voice from the edge and the side of the grave very slowly very quietly said you can't get out of here 
he got out of there. <laughs> Which of those two guys are you? Are you the one who's fallen into some difficulty, fallen into some challenge, fallen into some place in life, and you've just given up and said it's not worth it? I can't do it. I can't be an overcomer. I, I'm just in this pit. I'm in this grave. I'm in this challenge. I'll never get out. Or are you the kind that's, that, that will get out? Find a way. Find that encouragement. Find that motivation. You look around this room. It should be all the motivation that you need. When you look at people that are on a journey with Jesus some dealing with cancer, some dealing with challenges in their family, some seeing just changes in their own life as the generation that grew up in their house is transitioning out and they're an empty nester. You look at some that have a, a burden for this community and some have a burden for this church. You look around this room and there is plenty that you can do to make a difference for Christ. you've got to be willing to struggle for some of you you're like the first guy that fell in that hole you don't see a way out you don't see any hope but friend it is Jesus who reaches his hand into that hole and extends to you the only avenue the only opportunity that you have to get out of that and today, for some of you, maybe even for just one person here today, you need to be rescued. If you found yourself in a hole, if you found yourself overcome by sin and darkness and being alone, then trust Jesus, who has reached down to the darkest area of your life, and He can pull you out. Does somebody here today need that hope of eternal life to turn from trusting in you to trusting in Him? Let Jesus be the one and only Savior who can take you out of that pit. For some of you, you know what it's like to be there. You know what it's like to feel trapped. You know what it's like to feel alone. And God has rescued you. I'm telling you, there are plenty of people down in those pits today. They need somebody to pray for them. They need somebody to teach them. They need somebody to encourage them. They need somebody to love them. They need somebody who will walk with them through the difficult moments of life. Don't make it all about you. Be willing to suffer and be willing to struggle for the benefit of the cause of Jesus Christ and for the health of those who are following him. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we ask the Lord to speak to us and help us to respond. If you need to be saved, today is the day. If you need to come to Jesus being real, needing to be rescued, then today Jesus Christ can do a work in you. If you're a believer in Christ and you know what it means to struggle, you know what it means to suffer,
And you know what it means to be alone. And know in your heart today that there are so many people around you that feel as though there is no hope. Struggle for them. Suffer for Jesus. And show others around you that hope is found in Him. Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, that in this moment as you speak to our hearts, that God, that you would take every struggle, every difficulty, every pain and problem that we have. And Father, not only would you fix our eyes on Jesus in those moments of struggle, but God, would you help us to be a source of encouragement to others as well. Fathers, we respond to you and to your word. May Jesus be glorified in this moment today as we respond to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.